Topic of our demo talk this evening is Satna Wisdom Part 2. And Satna, this then will be complemented by faith. And Satna, there is a certain connection between wisdom and Satna, the mental factor of faith. Now, to briefly restate Satna, what was Satna said you know, during the previous Satna Dhamma talk, just the high highlights, the main you know, points. So, we started out Satna with mm, a discourse from you know, the Anguttara namely on factors that are mm, that contribute to wisdom that is fundamental to the spiritual life. The first one among these certain factors was living in dependence on a teacher and towards certain whom one has a sense of moral shame, moral dread, affection and reverence. Then uh, having done so, asking this teacher you know, questions, then withdrawal in body and mind, so in other words, seclusion, kaya, nebuika, chitta, nebuika, this satna then, and certain wisdom will, or being virtuous, then also conduces to the arising of certain wisdom that is fundamental to the spiritual life. And satna then learning much, remembering what one has satna learned. And then uh, one arouses energy to, you know, for the abandoning of unwholesome states, and one acquires uh, uh, energy, you know, and, and one arouses energy you know, for the acquiring of wholesome uh, states or qualities. Then one does not engage in uh, useless satna talk, and finally, you know, the last you know, condition is one you know, dwells contemplating you know, the arising and vanishing in the five aggregates. And that then will lead to the arising. All of these certain factors will lead to the arising of wisdom that is fundamental to the spiritual life. And certain a wisdom that one has not obtained certainly yet. And these factors also contribute to an increased maturation and fulfillment by development. Now, Quite a number of Satna other factors Satna were mentioned that Satna contribute to the arising of Satna wisdom and Satna one of Satna them was association with a wise Satna person, then wise Satna wise attention and actually applying what one has Satna heard. Now, you might Satna remember that um, two 
factors are you know, mentioned for you know, the arising of intuitive wisdom or liberating you know, wisdom. One of you know, those is uh, you know, wise attention, manasikara, you know, so mental factor through which we direct the mind in a particular way towards a particular destination. And the destination here is towards the arising of wisdom. Now the other factor is unification of the mind, so in other words, concentration. And it was Marcia who had certainly given a talk on wise concentration. Now, since we tend to have layers over the layers of ignorance and with this sudden then plenty of fatna mental defilements it does sudden take um, the force the cutting force of wisdom to then cut through all of these layers of wisdom and it's in particular uh, the latent uh, defilements that are uh, that lie dormant in the mind, they are there mm-hmm. and uh, they you know, are in an inactive state as long as there are no new conditions, external or internal conditions that uh, activate them. Once such a condition has arisen, then a latent dormant uh, mental defilement yeah, then uh, t- uh, will turn into an obsessive defilement and this if one is not mindful might suddenly even turn into a transgressive defilement which means one actually by way of body or speech actually transgresses so with wisdom we um, we cut through you know, to the very core of you know, those certain mental uh, defilements concentration is certain one of you know, the two proximate causes for the arising of wisdom because it ensures that the mind is well unified and that the different mental factors are all focused on one onto one and certainly the same object so it's the factor which fixes certainly the mind uh, on its certainly respective certainly object. Now, in the absence of certainly this unification of the mind, the mind certainly will be distracted. 
it will be easily pulled towards this object that occurs at one or the other sense or then towards some other object that occurs maybe at a different sense or and so it goes on and on and on and so with a mind that keeps flitting here and there one cannot properly observe the true nature of an object so in other words, not being able to observe the true nature means not uh, you know, the arising of you know, wisdom is not possible. One does not gain you know, wisdom, understanding about the nature of the you know, respective object. Hence, the need you know, for one-pointedness, ekagata, in the Pali scriptural language, sometimes also referred to as satna samadhi. Now, Dhammapada, verse 372, nicely states the, the connection or the relationship between wisdom and concentration. So they are, as we shall see, dependent upon each other. So the verse says there can be no concentration in one who lacks wisdom. There can be no wisdom in one who lacks certain concentration. He or she who has certain concentration as well as wisdom is indeed close to Nibbana. So the person who lacks lacks wisdom, who lacks a very simple, even the most simple form of wisdom, might not be interested in starting this kind of practice in the first place. And certainly this kind of practice might not be, uh, or might not seem very meaningful. And as a result of this, then uh, it's not likely that concentration, wholesome concentration, will arise. Now, the nature of the dry vipassana meditation is that in observing what's every predominant object comes up in the body or in the mind, and we speak of objects of ultimate reality. By doing this, or in doing this, again and again and again and again, some degree of concentration arises, and certainly this concentration that arises in the context of dry vipassana is known as momentary concentration, kanika samadhi, and obviously wisdom, penetrating, penetrative wisdom also arises. So both of these factors arise. Both of them in the course of the practice will gradually get stronger and stronger and eventually in Mm, combination with mindfulness and certain effort and based on uh, faith uh, eventually will lead a retreatant to uh, the uh, uh, event uh, to the uh, 
cutting you know, through the eradication of certain mental defilements at the time when you know, noble path knowledge is uh, realized. Now, by now it should be obvious that certain wisdom is what? An unwholesome mental state? Yes? Is it an is it an unwholesome mental state or a wholesome mental state? Wholesome. Wholesome, okay. Uh, indeed, it is. And among you know, the wholesome you know, states, it is certainly said to be the most you know, or the most noble uh, mental state. So wisdom arises in uh, all you know, jhanas, certainly to a limited extent, and certainly also in and is associated with path in certain fruition consciousness. It does arise in some same sphere wholesome consciousness, but not in all. It does arise in some same sphere resultant consciousness, and it also arises in some same sphere functional consciousness. And it arises together with all beautiful universal mental states. So when the mental factor of Fertner wisdom is present, then it will be accompanied by you know, the other wholesome mental states. There's a total of 25 beautiful you know, states, certainly in accordance you know, with you know, the uh, Abhidhamma. Now, just you know, for you know, general knowledge, among mm, the different forms of you know, wisdom, we can differentiate between mundane forms of wisdom and certain supramundane forms of wisdom. So when we observe the rising movement of the abdomen and we get to it and the particular or some sensation arises and we carefully observe this sensation and we recognize, oh, this is tension and then and there's knowing that this is a sensation of or the sensation of tension, then that would qualify as a very simple form of wisdom. No, the same thing goes for other predominant objects, including uh, mental uh, objects. And after practicing for a while, gradually the so-called first insight knowledge will mature and arise, and at that point, a retreat, and will then gain an intuitive understanding into the nature of physical and mental formations, realizing that those are two fundamentally different categories. And that certain understanding, that intuitive understanding itself is also a form of fatna wisdom. And there are many other you know, forms of fatna wisdom. Um, 
I could certainly mention you know, some of those, but uh, it might be better if you try to find, uh, find out that yourselves in your own meditation practice. Now, just like with you know, the other you know, mental factors, be those mindfulness or concentration, faith, effort, and certain others, they come in degrees. So at the outset of our meditation practice, it's quite likely that our faith will still be relatively weak, that our mindfulness will still be somewhat weak and not very sustained. The same thing goes for might go for concentration and certainly it also goes for wisdom. So the initial forms of wisdom are rather weak. In the course of intent of uh, uh, one's mindfulness practice, and in particular during intensive fitness retreat, gradually the strength of our intuitive wisdom will increase. And eventually it will get so strong that in association with the remaining enlightenment factors, that it has the capacity to eradicate certain mental defilements from the stream of consciousness once and forever. And that is quite a feat. Now, would you know any other activity that would bring about the same result? So let's say if you were to do uh, uh, psychotherapy for 10 years, will the same result be there? Uh, not. Or you know, if you play ping pong for you know, 15 years, also not. So it is certain through this certain mindfulness, certain practice, very focused certain practice, that certain you know, this particular event certain becomes possible. Now, from a meditator's point of view, from an experiential point of view, there's a few things that might be useful for you in regard to wisdom. Namely, it happens again and again that one might find oneself having some faith in the practice, and exerting some amount of effort and mindfulness is on occasion there and certainly then um, the mind is certainly somewhat certain or and the mind is terribly concentrated uh, on an object so it's really fixed or glued to the object but there's no understanding there's no wisdom, no knowing the nature of the object. So, which means that at such a point, you know, the other you know, controlling faculties are present, but certain wisdom is not present. So, one gets caught up in a mind that is certainly very concentrated.
very you know, focused. This is good, but you know, the most important quality is missing, namely the presence of intuitive understanding. So if on occasion in our own meditation practice, while we're observing this or that object, we find that we really don't know anything about the nature. The mind is certainly maybe concentrated, some amount of effort is being exerted, but we really don't know anything. Then it would be time to change something about our practice and to quickly re evaluate and then practice um, practice in such a manner, observe in you know, such a manner that certainly we really know you know, the nature of the respective object. And not just once in a while, once every five minutes, but rather from moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. Now, is this easy to do? This is actually very difficult. So, at the very outset of a retreat, it's close to you know, impossible because time and again, you know, some disturbance comes up, and suddenly, then uh, wisdom, mm, you know, wisdom is no more. It's kind of like, you know, sorry to jump into a modern uh, illustration, it's kind of like you're trying to work on a computer, you need an internet connection, and the internet connection is there for a moment, and then you know, you know, a minute later it's gone, and then you know, you're fighting with it, you're trying to get it back, eventually you manage you know, to get the internet connection back. Again, you, know, you manage to connect and read, and then after a little while, again it's gone. So this kind of an, mm, computer work is certainly not very sustained, not very steady. So if one to be efficient then we need an ongoing connection. Same thing for our mindfulness practice, we need an ongoing understanding knowledge of the nature of uh, uh, whatever the predominant object uh, arises. Now, should certainly you find that during your interviews, day after day, you keep reporting the same thing, then what would be uh, what would be a possible conclusion? In terms of your wisdom. Your wisdom is greatly maturing. You're stuck. You're terribly stuck. So, one day you report certain, uh, certain mm, certain experiences to Marcia. Next day you report exactly the same experiences to me. And then they statement again the same thing to Marcia. So, if that were to happen, it clearly means you know, that certainly something is not quite right in your practice, and that something is nothing other than wisdom. So, usually, when we practice deeply, and certainly we're pretty committed certainly to you know, the meditation, then there's always something new to discover, always you know, some you know, new findings um, you know, to uh, come up with.
so if one finds suddenly that uh, uh, this is not the case, one feels a bit suddenly stuck, then it would be high time to re-evaluate one's own practice and to you know, check very carefully, well, what is wrong here, what is missing, and suddenly then to make the necessary adjustments. Now, a mind that is terribly filled with concepts, with judgments, with self-evaluations, evaluations of one's practice. My practice is at such and such fabulous uh, level. Those kind of things will help your arising of intuitive wisdom or not. They will not. So, if you find any of those, also expectations, anticipations, and so on, you want to be mindful of those and let go of those as quickly as possible. So, they really interfere with the unfolding of intuitive and also liberating wisdom. Now, there's yet another, and we're still talking in terms of practice, from an experiential point of view, there's still another major point that suddenly needs to be considered and ensured in one's own practice. And what might this point be? Well, a mind uh, or a retreat that is applying you know, excessive effort will find it easy to you know, then clearly see what is certain, you know, see the nature of formations or not. As we know by now, excessive effort leads to agitation of the mind. And with an agitated mind, we cannot observe properly. So, we can say that balanced, a balance or balance of the mind is another prerequisite. Balance in particular with regard to two pairs of you know, mental factors or more specifically controlling faculties. Namely, there ought to be a proper balance between the controlling faculty of faith and wisdom, as well as uh, effort and concentration. So if any one of uh, those uh, four uh, factors is either uh, deficient or in excess, then it will upset the mind, it will upset the balance of the mind, and it will basically, as uh, has been pointed out, it will basically hinder the other mental factors to perform their functions properly. So, if effort is in excess, then concentration cannot certainly do its certain work.
When there's too much Shatna wisdom, the wisdom is far stronger than the faith one, and the wisdom is more of a cunning type or intellectual type, then it's very easy to deceive oneself in many different ways. Just as a general statement, we may think that we're pretty much in, in control of our mind, that we have a f- f- pretty good understanding of our mind, but in the course of the practice we gradually see the deceptive nature of the mind, how it plays tricks in so many different uh, ways. What appears at first sight is one thing, what really happens is another thing. Now, in the course of the last couple of, or in the course of this retreat so far, out of the five controlling faculties, the controlling faculty or the mental factor of mindfulness has been explained many times. The mental factor of effort has been explained. There were even two talks, Satna, on this. Then Marcia has given a talk on why sudden concentration. Now uh, we've covered wisdom to you know, some extent. And what remains is the factor, the mental factor or controlling faculty of faith. And with this, we will come full circle. So with this satna, then mm, all five of the controlling faculties will have been uh, explained. Now, there is a certain link between intuitive wisdom and faith. And the link is actually very simple. When you do your meditation practice and you keep observing whatever predominant object comes up and you get to know the nature of the various objects, then sooner or later, especially when an insight knowledge has arisen, with this, some more under some new understanding is there. Some new discovery is there. One discovers something that one has not known beforehand, and with this, our faith in you know, the Dhamma then will increase. It will get strengthened. So, with increased uh, faith, there will be a greater desire to practice. This will automatically lead on to more exertion of effort, which will then improve our mindfulness, sustain our mindfulness, and this in turn leads to an even more concentrated mind, unified mind, and that then prepares the ground for the arising of some deeper level of understanding. So again, some new form of understanding. 
when that next level of understanding or insight has been gained, again, one's faith gets strengthened a bit more. Again, there's a greater desire to practice, and so on and so forth. So those factors, wisdom, panya, impani, and sadda, you know, faith, or sadda, you know, these pari for you know, faith, those two factors are very closely connected. Now, what follows Satna from this is Satna also when we apply ourselves wholeheartedly to the meditation and we have clear-cut Satna experiences, well, then clear-cut Satna understanding Satna will be uh, there or forms of knowledge will be there and that Satna then uh, will lead Satna to the increase of Satna faith. However, Someone who does not apply himself or herself wholeheartedly to the practice and therefore doesn't have all that clear experiences, well, with this, then as wisdom is weak, the faith will also be relatively weak and then many skeptical doubts might be arising. Now, with regard to, or allow me to just describe a few of the most important aspects with regard to the mental factor of faith. So in Pali it's known as Sadda, in Sanskrit as Shraddha, and usually a person is Sadna said to have faith if he or she can subscribe to the Buddha's enlightenment or can subscribe to the three refuges or the three jewels, namely the Buddha, the Dhamma, and Satna, the Sangha. Now, having said Satna this, immediately one needs to or it needs to be pointed out that the faith should not be a blind faith, a faith that uh, is certainly being forced onto a person, but rather a faith that is reasoned and rooted in understanding. And rooted in understanding means rooted in our actual meditation, understanding 
in our actual meditation and practice and the understanding that arises uh, you know, from it. Now, different uh, from other mm, traditions, you know, spiritual you know, traditions, the Buddha you know, very much encouraged inspection of what is really happening. He even invited people to come and see you know, for you know, themselves a basiko in the Pali you know, scriptural language. And if one has, if there's a willingness to actually try out certain you know, this certain you know, practice, try out the um, or trying to you know, implement some of you know, the teachings of you know, the Buddha at certain you know, first, then sooner or later the results will be there and to the extent that one tries to that extent then some you know, faith arises. One realizes that uh, you know, what one you know, that one's experiences are very much in conformity with what the Buddha has described. Now, if one keeps on undertaking the mindfulness practice or other forms of fatna mental development or simply just leads an ethical life one follows the five or eight precepts well in each case certain benefits will arise and those benefits suddenly then come as an the confirmation that satna there is some veracity to these satna teachings. So the faith satna that we're talking about is not a form of blind faith, but rather a type of faith that gradually uh, arises out of uh, practice, out of uh, experiential mm, mm, uh, experience, experiential understanding. Now, there's certainly the famous Kalama, the Sutta, a discourse that the Buddha gave to the Kalamas in Kisa you know, Buddha while you know, wandering, while coming through that certain place. And you know, the um, inhabitants of Kisa Buddha um, approached the Buddha and said, We have a dilemma. dilemma. So there are all these different certain spiritual teachers that come through town. Each and every one you know, proposes a different doctrine, and then not only this, but also denigrates certain of the doctrines of everyone else. And certainly we are left perplexed. So we no longer know what is right and what is wrong. We no longer know what to make sense of. And the immediate answer you know, to this was, 
you are right to have doubts about certain of those certain teachings. And uh, so it's this doubt about dubitable you know, things very much you know, this the Buddha you know, encourages. Now, the more we practice, the more experiences will be there, the more confirmation will be there that indeed you know, there is uh, a close link between what uh, you know, the teachings are about and what is actually happening in one's own practice. And with this thing, gradually an inner certainty arises. And also firm conviction. Now, with regard to faith, it is sorry, it is said that is that it is the seed of all wholesome states. The reason for this is because it has such a fundamental character, because it's one of the very first things that happens on this spiritual path, therefore it's considered a seed. So it may now start with you know, the first hearing of uh, you know, the Dhamma, or it could certainly start certainly by maybe you know, visiting a, a, you know, a traditional Buddhist country and certainly seeing you know, the devotion of the people there, seeing how you know, people live in accordance you know, with the Buddha's teachings and thus being inspired. Or for some, it's been just seeing a magnificent, you know, magnificent magnificently you know, sculptured you know, Buddha statue, or maybe just a, a stupa that suddenly plants suddenly the first suddenly seed of faith, and then you know, things suddenly develop from there. And that initial faith will for the most part still be pretty weak when we first practice after we've overcome the hindrances then some in some faith that will arise oftentimes accompanied by clarity of the mind and that faith is good but it's still relatively weak. Later on in the practice again after having overcome the hindrances a number of wholesome states arise and suddenly one of them is Adimokha, namely having a determined you know, faith in the practice.
Now, that faith is already much stronger, and it will get even further supported when a retreatant clearly sees objects quickly arising and passing, sees how or sees the potential of the mind when it has this capacity to observe objects occurring in a quick succession one after another. Now if one then goes on to practice and eventually the mind becomes pretty pretty purified of mental defilements, well balanced, etc. Then, and the realization of the Dhamma takes place by realizing the path of stream entry, path of path of stream entry. With this, one's faith then is said to become unshakable. Awecha sadda in the Pali uh, scriptural language. Now, that, sorry, Awecha Pasada, unshakable confidence. So, one sudden of that uh, uh, faith, ha- that experience has certainly taken place, and, um, and certain with this, one sudden of faith uh, then undergoes a major uh, change. With this, one has unshakable uh, faith in uh, the Buddha, in the Dhamma, and certainly in the Sangha, as well as certainly the practice. Now, no matter how much effort others might uh, put into um, proselytizing, one will no longer be swayed by such uh, efforts. The Bodhiraja Kumara Sutta, as well as other discourses, contain a passage in which the five limbs of fitness striving are mentioned. And the first one among those is faith, the second one is good health. And certainly the third one is sincerity, honesty, the fourth one is effort, and the last one is wisdom. Wisdom, noble wisdom that sees the arising and passing of formations. The way that the Buddha explains those five certain qualities is as certainly follows. Any person who wants to learn an art, such as maybe the art of riding an elephant, will have to possess certain qualities. And so a person who wants to learn how to ride an elephant will have to approach a teacher, so um, a so-called mahout, 
and and then place faith in that person have confidence in that person confidence in the quality skills of that mahout as uh, um, as a good elephant tamer then the apprentice who wants to pick up this certain skill of elephant certain riding will have to have you know, a certain or, or yeah, will have to possess certain health requirements. So it needs to be relatively healthy, needs to be honest you know, towards you know, the teacher, and needs to apply it, you know, himself or herself to you know, the training. And suddenly, then, as a result of this, uh, the apprentice will gradually learn the art of riding uh, an elephant and maybe even the art of taming an elephant. The same thing goes for us as we're occupied in or as we're concerned with learning the art of mindfulness practice. And so this then requires an initial faith, an initial confidence in the teacher, namely the Buddha. Confidence in the enlightenment of the Buddha. Confidence in the Dhamma, that the Dhamma is well spoken, and also confidence in the Sangha that it, of noble ones, that it is well trained. If we possess those certain qualities, then mm, indeed faith is certainly there, and certainly this uh, will be a first, uh, an important first uh, mental uh, factor. That faith is likely to be accompanied by confidence, basada in the Pali scriptural uh, language. And Pasada has been you know, described as a feeling of serene, um, of serenity and mental you know, clarity that arises from the faith. So usually when the mental factor of faith is present in the stream of foot and consciousness, then you know, this goes along with certain uh, clarity of the mind. Now, the Angulatra Nikaya, in its book of fours, near Discourse Sutna 34, gives a nice addition here. As a disciple, one has confidence that the Buddha is the best of beings, the Dhamma the best of teachings, and the Sangha, the, and uh, this is the Sangha of the Noble Ones, the best of spiritual communities. So just consider this last point, when living in community with others to whom purity of the mind 
and purification of the mind as a process is important and you have achieved some degree of purity in such communities overall there is less conflict it's not always going to be ideal but at least better than in other places terms that the synonymous terms that the Dhammasangani has proposed for faith are as Satna follows, namely conviction, confidence and Satna trust, as well as clarity of Satna, confidence and Satna or clarity of Satna faith and Satna also the faculty of faith and power of faith etc. Now the characteristic of the mental factor of faith as given in the Visuddhimagga is placing as number one placing faith or of trusting so placing faith in something or trusting a person trusting a teaching its fun its first function is to clarify and its second second function is to set forth as one might set set forth to cross a flood so basically what this means the second point is that one practices and then has certain experiences the experiences are so inspiring so rewarding so enriching that confidence arises and based on this one is ready to go ahead so this launching is certainly there this move this willingness to set forth or to cross over so that's an important aspect in the connection with faith now there's there are two manifestations of faith the first one being non-fogginess in other words clarity of the mind and the second one is a resolution now just just to briefly give you the gist of the so-called Sampasadaniya Sutta, which is the 28th Fatna discourse of the Diganikaya. This discourse um, contains a, an event that took place when the Buddha was residing at Nalanda in a certain grove, and Satna then Elder Nasariputta approached the Buddha and spoke rather boldly. Saying, to his knowledge, there is currently no ascetic, no Brahmin who is equal to the Buddha or 
better than the Buddha in terms of his spiritual attainments or achievements. Now, immediately the Buddha, well, somewhat mildly uh, rebuked him and said, how dare you speak like this? Uh, you know, this is the, uh, you're speaking with a bull's uh, voice, mm, or even a lion's, uh, 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 you know, coming forth with a lion's uh, roar. But do you have uh, the the skills, the ability? to see the minds of past Buddhas and past Arahants? Do you have the skills to see you know, the minds of uh, future Buddhas and uh, Arahants? And to this uh, Sariputta honestly you know, answers, no, I don't have. But he then justifies his point, and he's got a really good point, or several good points. So he says, one day, Upon hearing the Buddha uh, teach at Nidhamma, he was so touched and said it led him then to practice the Dhamma and realize the Dhamma. There were many factors, mental factors, that he gained from this and among them, uh, very important to him, was the arising of serene faith or conviction. And the conviction that mm, the Buddha's uh, that the blessed one's enlightenment, or a conviction in, sorry, in the blessed one's sudden enlightenment, having confidence in this, and also having tremendous confidence that the Dhamma is well spoken, that the you know, Sangha of the Noble Ones <coughs> is sudden well trained. <coughs> so basically, in three things and he said that he was assuming that this would be true for Buddhas and Arahants of the past and would also be true for Buddhas and Arahants in the future. Then he went on to say that he had uh, uh, that the Buddha is unsurpassed when it comes to his way of teaching Dhamma. Teaching Dhamma in regard to overcoming hindrances, overcoming mental defilements, so purifying the mind, realizing the mind. His ability to speak Dhamma in regard to the five controlling faculties, the five powers, the sense sphere, the six sense spheres, the seven enlightenment factors, the eightfold noble path, the four noble truth, and so on and so forth. And eventually, what happened was the Buddha praised, and, and the Buddha said, "Yes, indeed, you can present. If you present things in this way, yes, this is acceptable." And so, so that was said. Uh, Elder Sariputta's uh, um, reasoning for having serene uh, confidence in uh, the Buddha. Now, to bring this certain uh, talk gradually to an end mm, Amy has certainly uh, uh, handed in uh, a question in written form can you please talk about faith and the relationship of faith and patience now over the last couple of days we've covered wisdom Marcia has spoken on concentration 
wisdom today the connection was made between wisdom and faith and now you're asking for something difficult namely the relationship between faith and patience I've checked the Diga Nikaya on any connection there between faith and patience, whether those two terms get mentioned uh, in conjunction anywhere in the Diga Nikaya, and there's no such reference. The same thing goes for near the Angutra Nikaya. However, both of those sudden states, faith as well as patience, are clearly wholesome mental states. So they share this quality of being wholesome states. Now, we could certainly say, and as has been uh, uh, explained during uh, the uh, discourse, that with practice, faith arises, or sorry, no, well, there's some initial faith in, let's say, the teachings or so, this gets us going, and, uh, and then this faith eventually contributes to the arising of intuitive wisdom, and when we deeply understand the nature of the mind, especially of our own mind, especially of the you know, defiled aspects of our own mind, then it is so much easier to understand where others are coming from in their behavior. And you know, as, a, as a result of deep understanding, it will be easier to have patience towards, let's say, you know, their shortcomings. So you can say that Satna there is a connection between the deepening of our or our wisdom and Satna patience. And there's a connection between faith and wisdom. So this much I can offer by way of Fatna definition, these Satna two mental factors are quite Satna different. You might Satna remember that the characteristic of Fatna patience was acceptance and its function was to endure the desirable as well as the undesirable and its manifestation is as non-opposing. So this is quite uh, different from uh, faith. Now, we can say that when in our practice wisdom as a mental factor is present in the stream of consciousness, then this is likely to be, or then um, adosa, so non-hatred, will also be present in the stream of consciousness, and one aspect of adosa is that certain patience. And certainly when wisdom is there, then faith, which is a wholesome mental state, will also be present. So under, in that context, all three will be present in the stream of consciousness.
So this is as best as I can explain for the time being. Please just t take it as a tentative answer. Um, if one would, if I were to have much more time, then probably a better job could be done. Now, allow me to conclude today's Satna Dhamma talk by wishing based on some initial faith in the Dhamma and or the Buddha and or the Sangha or all three, may a strong desire be there to practice. May this lead to the exertion of good and balanced effort. May this in turn contribute to the arising of sustained and strong mindfulness and certainly may this lead on to a well-focused unified mind and certainly with those mental factors present may much much intuitive wisdom arise and may the wisdom be penetrative wisdom may it be wisdom that Cut Satna through the many layers of defilements and Satna may it lead to the path of Satna stream entry and thus may our faith become unshakable faith. And uh, may this happen during this retreat. And this is all for tonight. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.